0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book In the Arena by Isabel Kuhn with permission of OMF International and we are on Chapter 11, Part 3. There were some on the plane with us who spoke English and from them I learned that there was usually a minute baggage examination at Rangoon. But we were late getting in. When we finally arrived, only one Immigration Customs Officer remained and he was anxious to get home. Only your personal things I expect, he said, indicating our baggage. Yes, sir. Okay, I won't ask you to open them. Passed, and he left us. So the Lord delivered me. At a later time in Rangoon, they asked to see it into my pocketbook, too, but by then the sea gray letter was safely in the hands of the American consul. I delivered it into his own hands myself, and the next year when the affair came out in the Times Magazine... I had the satisfaction of knowing that at least the secret side of the matter had been presented to the American authorities. And now, for the BCMS desk school, where we were so kindly received by Mrs. Sturman and her fellow worker, Eric Cox had missed us at the airport, but came around the next morning and took me to the downtown Rangoon, to the police station, to the immigration offices, to the American consulate, everywhere. He had been just through the red tape for himself, so he knew where the various buildings were located and how to help me. I had hoped we could get passage from Mangoon, but learned that the ships were so few I would need to book space six months ahead. The only way out was to fly to Hong Kong and try for a freighter there. Eric himself was doing this and soon had to leave us, but he promised to telegraph that there was a possibility of our getting onto the same ship. The China in the mission had a treasury stationed at Hong Kong so that once there our money problems ended and we would be able to draw on him for what we needed the telegram came boat leaving saturday eric we read it with a sigh for we could not possibly make it by then being a canadian i was having to go through a long process to get in the united states including a physical examination and shots for this and for that which had to have intervals of time in between and could not be hurried so we had to relinquish the hope of having uncle eric on the same ship with danny At length, we went through and ready to fly to Hong Kong. The only bookings we could get were on the Siamese Airways, and these had a stopover one day in Bangkok. Siam and and Thailand, as it is now called, did not interest me much. It never entered my mind that I would ever return there. To me, it was merely a 36-hour stopover. For some unknown reason, we were not booked at the same hotel as the other passengers, but were sent to the Ratanakasen, the most modern, expensive hotel in Bangkok, We arrived on the Saturday when Eric Cox was to sail out of Hong Kong. The next day was April the 3rd, Easter Sunday. I inquired about English church services, but could get no information from the desk clerk. So I ventured forth to try to find the missionary community. Bangkok uses pedicaps, which are like ricochets, except that the driver pedals a tricycle instead of walking. We finally found the American Bible Society, where Mr. and Mrs. Marvin Martin received us cordially and invited us to dinner. There was no English service until night, and as I wished to get Danny to bed in preparation for the early fight on Monday morning, I took him back to the hotel. As we walked through the lobby, the desk clerk called to me. Telephone, ma'am. I wondered who would be calling me here. It was a Siamese Airways. We find you do not have a visa for Hong Kong for your son, Daniel, Mrs. Coon. You may not proceed tomorrow. But he's only six years old. He doesn't need a visa, I gasped. When you get a visa for him, you may proceed, and not until then, ma'am was a short reply, and they hung up. My face must have betrayed my feelings, for Danny pulled at my skirt, asking anxiously, What is it, Mommy? What is it? You don't have a visa for Hong Kong, was all I could say. For my heart was like lead. I wanted to get out of sight and cry. Stranded in Bangkok and at the most expensive hotel, I pulled out my little checkbook on the hometown bank. May I pay my bills by check? I asked the clerk. You should have seen the contemptuous amusement on his face. No, ma'am. You may may pay in American cash or Siamese money, but we do not accept checks. I turned and sought the elevator in our bedroom. Once there, I fell on my knees by the bed and sought the dear Lord. Oh, God, undertake for me, I cried. Whatever shall I do? I do not know a soul in this country, and the Martins were kind to give us a meal, but they are utter strangers. Oh, Lord, speak to me. And I pulled out my Bible and desperately opened it. There before me was Isaiah 65, 24. Before they call, I will answer. This is a very good verse, O Lord, I said, still uncomforted. But how does it apply to us now? As I waited before him, my memory was illumined. Why, of course. How could I have forgotten? Quickly, I pulled my purse over to me and slipped open the zipper to the inner pocket. Yes, it was still there. An American 10 and a $5 bill before they call. Our mail in China was so interrupted that we received only a few batches of it those last six months of 1949, but in those two batches had been a card once and a note once from a lady in California who was a stranger to me. With the note, she had enclosed a five dollar bill, and with a Christmas card, a ten dollar bill. Both had come through safely, although brigands and robbers abounded. I could not use them in Lesoulin, so I put them into this secret pocket of my purse for use on the trip home, but I had forgotten about them. That lady, the giver, I never did meet, and she has ceased to be interested in us since. But the Lord surely used her to our blessing that year. From the depths of despair, I was lifted into joyous worship of him. How wonderful to find him always there. When we have an unexpected need of him, that living touch with him is so precious. It makes him so real. It obliterates the line between the earthly and the heavenly. It is so humbling to find him waiting there. Our hotel bill, by the way, was just $10 in U.S. money. On Easter morning, the British consul was open for only one hour in the morning, but time enough to obtain the visa. A visit to the Siamese Airways and our passage for Tuesday was secure. The rest of the day was hours, and to my astonishment, I found that it was a big day in Bangkok. It was the day appointed for the king to cremate his uncle, and the ceremony was right in front of our hotel. From the roof garden, we had a box seat view of it all. A high conical platform to which marble steps with brass railings led was erected on the open park across from the hotel. The railings were hung with lacy green ferns, and the top of the platform was roofed with gold and crimson. On the platform was pyre and the procession was two hours long in a fascinating pageant of oriental colors and splendor. The body arrived in an urn, which was set in the carriage, hung with golden curtains, set to weird Buddhist music, and the chanting of the priests filled the air and stirred the blood to excitement. All Thailand was represented in the companies which formed the long processions, the nobles, the priests, the police, the armed forces with all their divisions, and so on. Most fascinating were the soldiers whose beautiful horses were trained to do the dead march. The king was carried to the scene in a golden box. When all was set, he, dressed in a white uniform, mounted the marble stairs between the fern-hung brass railings, up, up, up to the pyre, to the top, where he kindled the fire. It was the earth's glory at this most dramatic, but it contained no hope for the poor soul of the dead man, who, before God's judgment seat, must stand naked in his sins. There is no hush or reverence in the Buddhist funerals. There is only gaudy display and loud clamor to drown out thought. On Tuesday morning, we boarded the plane for Hong Kong. A group of Chinese gentlemen got on with us, and we found we were to come down to Hanan. When we reached the island, the co-pilot came back into the plane and spoke to us. As you see, we are circling around over Hanan, he said. We have important personnel on board and may not come down until the reception committee has reached the airfield. We circled for almost half an hour. Then down we came, and the Chinese passengers got out. The reception committee was there, and regiments of nationalist soldiers were drawn up over all over the field. Ten days later, the communists had taken the whole island. As we descended the gangplank, we heard a shout of greeting. Looking to our right over there behind wire nettings was Eric Cox, smiling and waving to us. And beside him, Sally Haverson of old Yunnan days. But we had to go through immigration and customs first. The immigration officer examined Danny's passport. Oh, you're the people who were held up in Bangkok for the little boy's visa. Yes, sir. Well, it wasn't needed. Juniors do not need a visa to enter Hong Kong. Why was it allowed? Satan trying to harass? I do not know. There are many apparently needless trials in life, but the Lord stands with us through them all. May you lose nothing in the furnace but your dross, said Samuel Rutherford. The Lord will preserve everything else for us. They had even kept Uncle Eric for Danny's boat trip home. The boilers of the savannah had broken down, and she had been delayed long enough to get us aboard. The loving kindness of the Lord, surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of my life. We had a great reception by wonderful friends in Vancouver, and the same from others as we passed through Seattle, then on by train to Catherine at Wheaton College in Illinois. It was wonderful to see Catherine again, now grown up with an adult mind and the ability to share life's problems with understanding. Our fellowship rose to a new level. We arrived just a month before commencement. Who could find a place to stay at Wheaton then? A student, sensing he would fail in his exams, suddenly went home, and left a bedroom vacant in the very house where Mrs. Ella Graham had an apartment. So we had a room right near the college, and we had meals with kind Aunt Ella. A beautiful little college town in the heart of America. Wide streets, trees shaded with squirrels scampering happily from branch to branch. No air raid alarms, no window iron bars against the thieves, just peace and plenty. The beauty of spring and beautiful young voices, family life, friendships, freedom, It was like heaven on earth. Never will I forget it. Halfway across the world, he had brought us through snowy heights and wild jungle, bomb bridges and railways, past suspicious immigration officers with endless red tape regulations, soldiers and tension everywhere. Chinese money, Burmese money, Samis money, Hong Kong money. Oh, let's never mention the word again. He had supplied us as each need arose with each time in a different way. Stranded at world's end. Maybe, but if we lean back to find ourselves on the bosom of Christ, a sweet, familiar place. Sometimes on the rock I tremble, faint of heart and weak of knee, but the steadfast rock of ages never trembles under me. It was an enriching experience to find him living and quick to bless in those strange countries, Burma, Thailand, Hong Kong. I realize now that I unconsciously began to lean on the mission for my financial needs, It had been a rude jolt to find myself cut loose and forced to trust directly. As Hudson Taylor commented when a newspaper reporter described him as leading a hand-to-mouth existence, Yes, but it is from God's hand to my mouth. I ended up with being so glad that it happened just that way, that I might know again the thrill of God's hand to my mouth. So the platform ended with his power having been manifested to me again and a fresh knowledge of himself given. And that's the end of Chapter 11. Next time will be Chapter 12. And we're going to do something a little bit different. We're only going to have readings once a week, and that's going to be on a Saturday. But it will be a 30-minute program and not a 15-minute program. So we'll be starting that next Saturday. This book has been such a blessing to me, and I hope it's been a blessing to you too as well. And I plan to read some more books of hers after this book is finished. I am praying for you. I love you. Bye-bye for now.